It's about the ability to get up and make a choice that I want to make, do the work that I want to do, and do it how I want to do it. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Revolution? Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. A show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. What's good, revolutionaries? <laughs> ah, as always, I hope that you're well and that you're prospering and that you have either begun to question what your revolution is going to be or you are working expeditiously on completing it. And we know that when you ask that question, what's a revolution, it takes time. It takes some time to figure out what it is and then to come up with a plan and then to enact that plan to, to really bring your revolution to fruition. It is an amazing thing to think about what revolution in our lives looks like, what it feels like, and ultimately, when we're finished, to celebrate the completion of our revolution. We want you to know that we are here to support you, to be with you, to celebrate you revolutionaries as you embark on your journeys to be the best and most complete version of yourselves. I am so fortunate to be able to do this show and to continue to interview, as we say, dope, <laughs> dope, dope black dope. men who are doing dope stuff. It's funny that this word dope has actually come back into our vernacular, into our scope. <laughs> dope was something that we used back at Green Run High School back in the late 80s. That's dope. That's fresh. Ooh, yeah. But it has come back. It has made its way back into our everyday colloquialisms. And I'm so happy that it has its own resurrection that I can say things like, mm, I met this dope brother. <laughs> I met this dope sister. I'm doing some dope things. Right? And so always, always, I am so happy to be able to interview dope people doing dope stuff. And there's a little backstory with my guest today. I didn't know who this brother was. I was interviewing for my first position at Camelback Ventures as the director of the Education Fellowship. And I had to do an assignment you know, you probably don't even know this, Elijah. You probably don't don't even know this. Or maybe I've told you this before, dear brother. Yeah. yeah, but I had to do an assignment in during my job interview. And I was given the the specs of four or five different companies. They had applied to Camelback at that time. And with the five, you know, if you think about your brackets during you know, the final four, the first five in, the first, the first five out, first four. And unfortunately, that year for this brother, uh, he did not make it into Camelback Ventures, but he was on my on my interview kind of uh, exercise that I had to do. And the exercise was me having to figure out which of these organizations should have been involved in Camelback Ventures Education Fellowship that year. And so it was my first understanding of what this brother, Elijah Moses, CEO of Wise Young Builders, was doing in the D.C. area. Now he's moved up a little bit further in the Northeast as well. But I got to see what this brother was doing and really understand what Wise Young Builders was all about. And I kept asking myself, how did this brother not get in, not get into the Camelback Fellowship that year? 
Ironically, Elijah, I don't know if you knew, everybody that interviewed for the position that year picked your organization, (laughs) right? They said that Elijah Moses and Wise Young Builders had been, should have been involved in Camelback Ventures. And that would have been in the 2018 fellowship, if I'm correct. So I'd made sure in my first year as the director, (laughs) as the director of the program, making sure that this brother applied again and then making sure that he was accepted into the 2019 cohort of the education fellowship. And boy, it was an amazing ride that we had with Elijah Moses. So I want to welcome my friend, my friend and my brother, fellow entrepreneur, Camelback 2019 fellowship alum, Elijah Moses to the What's Your Revolution show. What's up, dear brother? How are you? Oh, man, I'm great. Appreciate you uh, having me. Thank you for the invite. It's a pleasure to be uh, sitting in the seat talking to you today. Man, look, this brother is like 6'11". He should (laughs) have (laughs) been. You know I got to start off, man. You you know I got to start off a little bit, man. I met this brother as, as he walked into the room. Right. He's a gregarious figure, man. Everybody, you know, he gravitates, man. Excuse me. People gravitate to him. Like I said, what are you, 6'6", 6'7"? I'm going to call it 6'4", 6'3", six, six, three, <laughs> six, three and 3 quarters, you know. No, no, brother. You were taller yeah. than that, man. No, nah, I wish Shaq, I was. You and Shaq are looking at each other eye to eye, man. I don't want to believe I don't believe that. You know, I wish I was a little taller than that. You know, well, actually, you know. when I see when I see tall people uh, that, that are taller than me, I said, man, you really tall. Do you play the piano? And it's kind of throws <laughs> off. It's like they normally hear, you know, the stereotypical cliche, do you play basketball? But. Yeah, I throw people off saying that, but about six yeah. four. Yeah, six four. But this brother walks into a room and with his infectious smile and his ability to bring people together, and just be able to work a room, telling his story about what Wise Young Builders does for our young men and a young our young women, and we're gonna tell that story. But Elijah, you know what I would love for you to do before we even get to our question is I. I would love for you to just talk a minute about what it meant for you to be involved in the 2019 cohort of Camelback Ventures, being a part of, you know, a wonderful group of leaders who are doing, as I said, dope stuff early on. What was that experience like for you being in that cohort of women and and people of color who are building the ventures of the future? I would honestly say that uh, my experience with Camelback Ventures was amazing. Um, there's not too many circles that you can find yourself in. I mean, you know, I, I live in the D.C. area. I spend time talking to executive directors uh, who are serving youth of color. I mean, up until, you know, six years ago, maybe seven, give or take, D.C. was coined Chocolate City. And the greater majority of uh, residents were brown and black, Right. Uh, now, when you work on the executive director side and you talk to leaders, you end up finding really interesting parallels where the people who lead organizations that serve youth don't look like the youth that they're serving, right? And that is what it is. It's just, you right. know, then you start looking into budgets and like, wow, you got $900,000 to do that type yes. of work, right? right. Million dollar budgets, man. Yeah, Close. million dollar budgets, right? And some people, you know, have told me, well, you know, Moses, my budget is only $1.3 million. Like, do you have any idea what I'm doing with a forty thousand dollar budget, you know, or thirty thousand, whatever it was at the time? And uh, being a part of Camelback Ventures, when you're able to sit in a room with people who look like you, think like you, talk like you, entrepreneurship is lonely. 
There's mm-hmm. not a lot of people you can go to and have these conversations about, look, I don't understand this accounting principle. I'm really working at it. There's not a lot of people who you can go to and talk about your vulnerabilities. Uh, that's a sign of weakness in, in business and, and most of the things that you do. Uh, so being in that space where uh, the first year being rejected, I, I mean, I, I, I'm generally a person who handles rejection pretty well. But that year was being rejected from a few different things. And you start to look internally and say, well, what's wrong with what I'm doing? Is it the work? Is it the way I'm presenting it? And every time I come to the bat or to the mound, I'm gunning for the fences. Yeah. I want to knock this all the way out the park. And looking back, it's like, well, did I, what maybe I wasn't articulate enough, or maybe I didn't explain you know, the background. Like, so, so being in that, in that space, working with entrepreneurs who were in the same space. I mean, I remember when I got a call from you saying that I got in, I called other people who looked like they were getting in (laughs) immediately. Like, Hey, I'm Moses, you know, what was it like for the application for you? And people were saying, listen, they were asking questions about, you know, numbers and things that as an entrepreneur, you tend to focus on uh, often the thing that you want to do. And, you know, people, bring to you all of the things that you have to do uh, to make your organization vision and business thrive. So uh, the experience was great. I mean, you know, being able to travel to, to major cities, honestly, that was my very first time in California with, with Camelback Ventures. Right. Um, and I have traveled and make no mistake. I'm not a recluse, right? I have traveled. No, no you're not. No, you're I not. I travel. Yes, you I, do. But for whatever reason, I never made it to California. And it was an amazing experience. I mean, I've been to New Orleans quite a few times. Um, New York City, I mean, I'm, I'm a New Yorker, so I've been to New York City quite more times than I can count. Uh, but it was just an amazing experience. And uh, the coaching, uh, being able to get the connections. I mean, I'm having people who do budgets, uh, and I'm sure, certain that they charge, you know, thousands of dollars for their service. And they say, <laughs> yes, wait, they because do. you came through this connection uh, and, pl- you know, I'm, I'm pretty persistent too. So uh, yes, hey, you uh, are. I, I, I'm gonna call you one more time. Do you mind? And people helped <laughs> out, you know, yeah. for, for fractions of costs, if not pro bono. So yeah, just that, I, I, you know, I really think that the experience was amazing. And um, last, last part I'll say about Camelback Ventures is when you're trying to get something off the ground and, you know, I worked a full-time job, so I'm juggling both and I have a family, so I'm juggling all three and I have some other commitments that I'm juggling all four or five or six and still trying to get this work off the ground. I just remember when the investment check touched my hands and I opened it up, everybody had left the room. I'm in New Orleans for context purposes. I cry like maybe once or twice a year. I just broke down. Mm. I broke down. It was like, I cannot believe that I'm sitting here looking at someone who said, no, I believe in your work because people will reject you, but you can't give up. So it was an amazing experience. Absolutely amazing experience. Moses, I appreciate that. And people understand, well, didn't you say his name was Elijah Moses? Yes, but he goes by Moses and Chairman Moses, but we'll get into that later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that later. You know, this interesting thing that I want to pull out of here. Uh, Moses, is that the fact that you said that entrepreneurship is lonely and being in the room with 13 other entrepreneurs, you know, who probably at the time hadn't been in a room with women and people of color. And that's something things about uh, about Camelback is that we want to create community. We have our five C's and I don't want to go through all of that, you know. 
Um, we everybody should know our five C's, and I should know our five C's, but I probably will mess it up here, so I'm not I'm not even going to try. But being in the room and not feeling lonely, not feeling knowing that there are other people who have gone through these roads, who are traveling the same way, or you know, it, at least the path looks the same provides for some solidarity, for some community. And as someone said to me the other day, is that community is actually the new capital. When yeah. you have the yeah. ability to sit down and be vulnerable and be open about the challenges that you have as an entrepreneur, that provides social capital. That provides opportunity for you to, to be vulnerable about your successes and challenges, your trials, your tours, whatever it is, and a room full of people who understand, like, you know, I'm going through the same thing. I don't have that $1.9 million budget, right? I got a $300,000 I got a $300,000 budget. I got a $200,000 budget. This is actually the first time anybody has ever invested anything in me. So I got a $40,000 budget right now. And yeah. so it's interesting. Or, or sometimes it's what is a budget? You know what I mean? Right. Some people, <laughs> entrepreneurs can, yeah, entrepreneurs can be in very different places. Right, right. It, it's interesting because all this plays out. Uh, interesting. A couple of weeks ago, I got I got a chance to sit down with my good frat brother James Sandifer as he begins to think about what it looks like to build a nonprofit, what it looks like to build an organization. It's interesting that we say this, uh, Moses, is that we, that lean canvas. If you you got to be able to solve a problem, right? You and you got to understand who your customer segments are. You really got to know who your customer segments oh, are yeah. and then build an avatar around there and then understand what are their pain points and can you provide something that is unique and has a value to them that solves that pain point. So that's a little bit of a lesson, but understanding that being in that room, right, and not feeling lonely. But I also appreciate what you said, Moses, that when you got that first investment that you allowed yourself to cry allowed yourself to have that moment of emotion. And I think that as we build, you know, as we build our ventures, you want to give yourself the opportunity to celebrate every win at every step. And sometimes the win is, as you said, just getting the application out because those rejections come and come and come. But oftentimes if we don't celebrate the process, right, we'll get left behind thinking that the rejection was just about us. It's not. No. And so correct, yeah, correct. It, it's it means so much, Moses, to have been able to fund you and then to continue to support you. I know one of our board members, Raj, thinks very, very highly of you and your work. He's an amazing man and, and the work that he's doing up in New York as well. well we I love talk him. To Raj. I talked to Raj like a couple of weeks ago. I just call people, you know, I call people. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and that's the thing. The 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 one thing I, I want people to know about Moses is that he is not a recluse. He travels. He does not like planes too much. He likes to he likes to get in cars and drive, which is the antithesis of Dr. Corpru, because I like to get on a plane. Weren't you gonna no, drive I like planes. out to Oak? Weren't you gonna drive out to Oak? No, Oak? yeah, no, I was I, I love planes, right? Uh, but I was willing, like I have I have uh I have a bucket list, right? And people call them bucket lists, so you can call them, you know, missions, visions things that you want to accomplish goals. Uh, but one of them is to travel across the United States in a vehicle. Right. And I want to take a road trip that, and I said, Oh man, this is no better time than to do it. Right. <laughs> this is perfect. Uh, my wife didn't want to do it. She said, look, you know, no, 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 no. So, uh, you know, the plane was the medium, but I would definitely have done that trip, uh, yeah. left 
six days, seven days ahead, took my time and just seen things that I want to see. You know, I've never been to Iowa. I don't even know. I talked to a, a brown or black person from Iowa the other day, and I'm like, <laughs> we out here? I mean, but I know, we, you know, we, we everywhere. Out but we, yeah, out we out here. We out here everywhere, you know, so. Yeah. But, yeah, some things I would just want to see and, and, and make that trip. So, yeah, still on my oh, list I, of things. I got you, brother. I, when, when you told me we were talking, you were like, yeah, I'm going to drive. I'm like, what? If I have to be in a car more than six hours, dear brother, I'm done. I'm gone. Like, uh-uh. I, that, I that's my limit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember I ran a promotion company called uh, No Question Promotions. And shout out to my guy, Kev Glover, who uh, eventually kind of gave it slash sold it to in Charlotte, North Carolina. He did some great things with it. Um, but uh, when I was running a promotion company, it was a company who paid me to go to the Essence Fest. And, you know, I drove from New York, you know, brought my, my uh, field market execution team or my street team. And then we went and did our thing in New Orleans and uh, drove all the way there. Enjoyed the trip very much. So I, I do really appreciate driving. Won't drive everywhere, but I really enjoy <laughs> the music, you know, some snacks, good conversations. Uh, you know, driving is important. Yeah. I'm not mad at that, dear brother. Elijah Moses, CEO, Wise Young Builders. What's your revolution, dear brother? Revolution. So I have to always contextualize, uh, you know, because people use words differently. When I think the word revolution, I think revolt and evolve, right? So mm. for me, my revolt is I want freedom, right? And to be coupled with freedom, I want power. And I have to contextualize and explain definitions, right? So power to me is the ability to get things done. I want that. Right. I want the ability to get things done. So I, I revolted and decided to leave my job. I was getting paid close to six figures. I was working in D.C. government and people said, listen, are you crazy? I mean, I have friends who like, why would you leave all of that? Well, you know, I'm in a blessed position now. I just submitted a proposal for. 10 times more than what I was making in government, you know what I mean? And. But you have to be brave enough to make that revolt. Uh, slaves, when they were enslaved, some people said, listen, I'm not getting back up tomorrow. I'm leaving, right? I'm, I'm getting out of here. And I think the revolt is a part of it. And it's about freedom for me. It's about the ability to get up and make a choice that I want to make, do the work that I want to do, and do it how I want to do it, and impact the people how I would like to impact them. And sometimes when you work in different spaces, I worked in government in D.C. for years. I love D.C. government. It has treated me very well. But I remember walking into a meeting at a very prominent government agency. Uh, had a good reputation in the city. I mean, everybody knows me. And if you talk about workforce development, youth development, my name comes up in the conversation. And they told me when I went to work for this particular agency, Moses, sit down, shut up, and don't come up with any more ideas. I was waiting on a camera to pop out. Like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm on candid camera. Maybe this is not real, but I cannot believe that we sitting here making all of this money and there's people whose lives are dependent on us and we're putting people through red tape, being bureaucrats. I mean, oh, they showed up five minutes late to orientation. Tell them to come back Thursday for the next one. Well, just let them in. I mean, we, we I, I eat off of this money, right? This person doesn't have employment. We can't treat people like this. Uh, so for me, it's about freedom. It's about power. And freedom for me is like, you know, the narrative changes. But to me, ultimately, freedom is about the ability to make your choices and, and live with the results without anybody kind of 
No, you have to be in this box or that box. So I would say that's my revolution. Revolt and evolve and grow. You know, evolve about growth. I don't want to just, I, I talked to you a little earlier about, I plan on evolving to the point where I have residents part-time out of the country. Right. I want to be free able to, hey, no reason I can't go live out the country for two months, three months, you know? Should be no reason. Should be no, should None be at no all. reason. No. Yeah. Moses, I appreciate that, brother, because... Oftentimes, when I ask that question, people are talking about their work. They're talking about the the larger work of their revolution. Seemingly, your revolution begins with you, so you can then do the vast work that you want to see in the world. The revolt, like you said, the revolt is leaving something behind, if I'm correct. Right, right, right. And that that in itself, because I I, want to unpack that for a minute. Moses, because there are a lot of people out there right now. They've gone through a, a, a and I'm going to call it, they've gone through a treacherous year. Mm-hmm. People have lost their jobs. They're potentially going to lose their homes. Uh, they, they may have been evicted, all these different things. But what I think that I'm hearing you say is that there potentially is opportunity in that if you think about as this as an opportunity to 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 revolt from the status quo. Right. Right. You know, to build right. out something of a dream that you may never have had before and seeing this as a potential opportunity. And like you said, you, at the time you had a, a close to six figure job and all the different benefits and some comfort. Oh, too much comfort. I mean, you, you know, know, it was somebody gave me one agency I worked for, one job I had. They gave me a blank check and said, build whatever you want to build. I couldn't believe it. That <laughs> I had an a office, I had a bathroom in my office. I built a bar in my office. And the, just for context purpose, it was a smoothie bar. So, you know, students, <laughs> students and guests and partners can come by. I'll make you a smoothie. We'll sit and talk in my office, leather seat and assistant. What more can you ask for, you know, but there was something different that needed to be done, you know, so to leave all of that, it had to be a revolt, right? And there had to be something, you know, the Bible gives this parable of like a man who found a treasure in a field and he sold all that he had to attain that treasure. The next person is going to say, man, what is going on with you? Are you crazy? Which people have told me, like, you got to be crazy. I'm not leaving this. I'm going to do this for 40 years. 40 hours a week, 40 years, and I'm going to go, well, that's not what I want to do. Right. Um, so you revolted from comfort, a, a comfortable space. And it's just interesting thing how, how we have this, this linear feel here on the show, because a number of my guests talk about that, is that getting out of the discomfort allows you to grow exponentially. Yes. We, love, we love the warm and fuzzy. Right. We, we, we love the one. I want to jump into that warm coat. I want to jump into that toasty bed that where I just put those warm sheets on that I just pulled out of the dryer. I want to I want to sit and make sure I got everything in the bank and it feels so good. Well, what we've seen and what we've seen particularly is that those people who actually revolt from comfort and I'm like, we're going to use that as our as our, a buzzword today. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. That revolt from comfort are the people who are the greatest leaders that are living the most successful lives, the most passionate and fulfilled lives because they have the ability to sit in discomfort. 
the best entrepreneurs that you and I both know are those that revolted from something that was comfortable, that they saw a pain point, Moses, and said, I'm going to jump into this discomfort because there's an ability for me to solve people's problems, as well as, as we talk so much about here at Camelback Ventures, right, and at What's Your Revolution, is that we can create generational wealth if we actually feel the discomfort and revolt, right? Revolt yeah. from that comfort. Yeah, but, You can't but, create generational wealth, right? By being comfortable, if I'm correct. Tell me. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, accounts. I mean, we can look at the IT sector and, and people who have built IT companies. We can look at people who build hair product companies. We can look at uh, people who build spiritual revolutions, right? All of it kind of revolved around, I see something different. Right. I mean, you look at Moses in the Bible who said there's some text that I can't, you know, I don't know about her, but says that he left the comforts of Egypt. Right. To go like, well, there was something different I got to go do. And people don't understand that. And and if you're an entrepreneur, it's lonely because people say, well, no, look, you're crazy. I'm not leaving my job. And sometimes I go back to places I work. I'm still here. You know, nothing's really changed. Oh, you're doing what? <laughs> Is the how you know? First, it was like I, I felt like I was running away from slavery, right? So when you first leave slavery, wow. I can imagine. No, listen, it, it, for me because I've read a lot of Black history, I kind of analogize it like that, right? So I leave in slavery. I left my job December, October, twenty sixteen. First few months, I'm, you know, I'm looking around to see if they're coming back to get me, right? Are my bills adding up? Is it is it going to work out? But, and it's still this possession of confidence, like no, nah, it's all going to work out. And for me, I'm I'm comfortable embracing the unknown. Like, no, I'm I'm gonna jump out here and do. It, it, life will work out, right? I mean, but I think to to the point that there's a certain level of uh, comfort that people need, and there's a certain level of stability that people need. So I'm not necessarily telling you if you have a six hundred thousand uh, dollar home to go start a new company. I mean, you have to make sure that some things are in place especially if you have people who live in a home and they depend on you a certain way. Right. Um, but at the same time, don't get too comfortable, right? Like be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And for me, it's, it's a part of it. Like everybody who, you know, I, I you know, read some uh, world history and I was reading about Alexander the Great and uh, his fa- father, Philip of Macedonia, conquered so far. And Alexander said, no, we need to go out to India. Right. I want to take over this and that. And, you know, his soldiers revolted. Like, listen, we're not comfortable going that far. He ended up coming back, but he made a great impact, right? And when you think about this from a standpoint of where we are now, a uh, buddy of mine and I were talking the other day, you know, Rome and Greece and, you know, they built pathways for uh, religion to prosper, for trade to prosper, because they built the roads and connected cities and I didn't have to go do all of that. And think about the IT world today. Facebook, whoever built that, Zuckerberg and all the IT folks, and now I can post and show what I'm doing, you know, to help what I but I didn't have to go lay the, the cables and the wires and get the programmers. So I played my role, they play their role, but you know, it wouldn't have happened if somebody didn't step forth and say, I gotta revolt, gotta leave this job, I'm I'm leaving college. I think it's something brighter out here for me and I'm going to, I'm going to try it. I think I got a good idea. Man, so, I, look, yeah. I, I love that. And so everybody, all my revolutionaries who are listening as you're thinking about, right. Whether or not to make the jump, think about Elijah Moses and think about what he's employing you to do right now. 
He's he's employing you to revolt, Revolt. to find revolution in your lives, to revolt and to evolve. And I think that's the second piece that comes out of this as is a part of your revolution is that revolt and evolve (laughs) because you can, you can revolt. Oh, you can revolt. revolt. You can revolt. And then all of a sudden, right. (laughs) Wait a minute. You're still here. Right, right. Right. I'm still here. Nothing has come to fruition. This dream that you had didn't didn't go anywhere because you haven't evolved. Talk to me about that. Talk to my listeners, Moses, when it comes to that second half of it, revolt and evolve. What has to happen? Well, I, I think what has to happen next is if you're going to revolt from what you're doing, it's going to have a gap between what you want to do, what you know how to do, and what you're capable of, right? So for me to run a million-dollar you know, business, nonprofit, and I'm, I, I use numbers because people you know, think about numbers are terms of measurements, right? So if I say million dollars, you get the gist of where the operation is, right? Uh, and, and that's totally different than a $1,000 operation, right? So capacity in terms of numbers. Uh, but it's, in order to run an organization at large, what are the things you need to know? If you don't know them, you need to evolve, right? So managing staff, right? That's a component. If you don't know how to do that and you revolted, I quit my job, but it's just you and you're still stuck in the basement after 15 years and nothing has really, and not to say that it won't take time. I I kind of view things in the sense of I'm teaching a fourth grader some math. If you don't understand how to multiply fractions, we can send you to fifth grade. But you never will evolve, right? We're never going to get the algebra, right? So you have to continue to add to yourself, update yourself, get skills. I mean, think about, uh, you know, where I come from. We we weren't wealthy. My mother had six children, uh, you know, single parent, upstate New York, Buffalo, New York, for what it's worth is, you know, they say one of the poorest cities in America, Um, you know, amongst mid-sized cities. So what I'm thinking about, the revolt and I'm thinking about, you know, this, this, this process to go through, you have to be able to grow a certain way and take these deficits that you have and be able to learn and, and grow. And what are the new things I need to know? And for me, if you're not a learner, you can revolt all you want, right? <laughs> man, you go, that's it. That's all you're going to be doing is mad at the system you know, kind of what, what didn't work out, who holding you back, you know, you're a victim. I, I've never been a person's victim ever. No, no. That is one thing. Yeah. That is one thing I know about Elijah Moses. Never been a victim. No. It is interesting that you say this because I have a, a, a colleague of mine in New Orleans. His name is Patrick Young, man. Shout out, shout out to the good work that, uh, the work that he's doing with men in New Orleans and really oh. formerly incarcerated men, mm-hmm. you know, uh, getting them dressed and ready for employment. That's that's his that's his revolution. And I remember a conversation with him, Moses, about, you know, he pulled out a cell phone. And this is a very interesting story because it really relates to what you just said, is that he pulls out a cell phone and he's like, Corporal, he's like, how often does this update? Right? We get updates on our phones all the time. My Mac, my, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at my Mac, and there are several updates. Mm-hmm. 
that need to happen. So that means the computer is evolving constantly. Cognizant that what it was doing yesterday is no longer good right. today. It, it, yeah. Exactly. The security updates, new new software, new things to help me right do better, more effective work. But he said, you know, we as humans who have the greatest computer on the planet don't update. <laughs> we right. don't evolve. We sit in that comfort. He's like, if this updates on a regular basis, why aren't we updating on yeah. a regular basis? And the, the point of me talking about how I grew up was where you came from, where I came from, where, you know, I had an uncle, yeah, my uncle, my tooth loose, you know, you know, put your shoestring on it, slam it against yes, the door. Yeah, like, there it is. And, and if someone wanted to be a dentist today, we're not slamming you know, uh, tooth <laughs> against the door, you know, say, hey, take a swig of this vodka for some pain. You know, they have new technology called Novocaine or to numb you to, to you got to update yourself, right? You can't apply even 2019 thinking to today, even to, to, yeah. even 2020 thinking. So the evolution, if if I'm using those kind of ideas is once you made your revolt from whatever you decided to do, what were what were the gaps and were you cognizant of the gaps before you made the revolt, right? And then you began to already put yourself in a place to say, man, I really don't know how to... I remember when... And when I talked about power earlier, right? Like, I want power. And people say that, well, you want to control people? No, it has nothing to do with people. It has to do with the ability to get something done. That is the very first definition of power in the Webster's Dictionary. I recall having a property that my mother left me because she moved to New Orleans back in like 2001. And I remember there was a leak uh, in the ceiling and I, all I could do is look up at it and put a bucket under it. I felt powerless. Right. And I don't think anybody should feel, I just didn't know what to do. Now, listen, what you need your roof done? I can do that, right? What you mm. need? A new bathroom mm. done? I can do that. Tell the story. What, what do you need? A marketing campaign? I can do that. And when I talk about evolving, for me, it was about a quest to continue to learn and grow and develop. So when I travel out the country, I don't want to, everybody talking a language I can't understand. Well, I need to learn it, right? Yes, yeah. Because no, it, it helps. Yeah, yeah. See, no, no, no. Yeah, see. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, you have to be able to grow and, and that's what the evolving is about. So when I think about my revolution, that's that's the ideal for me. Mm, I, 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 look, I spent so much time on that, brother, because, you know, as we move into this new year and it, it really becomes entrenched that we're in a new year, we have this opportunity to revolt and evolve. We've had a, you know, we've had a treacherous year for many of us. You know, many of us experience so much pain and grief and loss but opportunity to revolt and evolve. And I, I love that. And the ability to put those things in place, mm -hmm. thinking about how you may jump, but you cannot stay stagnant, revolutionaries. You cannot stay stagnant. You have to evolve. At the end of 2021, as my therapist said, I want you to be able to celebrate your wins, but you first have to imagine <laughs> what those wins should look like. You have to establish the goal. You have to envision right, right. what that is going to look like for you. You're jumping up and down, celebrating with your people, but why? And I want you to think about that revolution as this year goes on. Why, why, why are you celebrating your wins? Yeah. Dear brother, I want you to talk a little bit about your professional revolution, right? You revolted and you evolved, but you evolved in a space that are going to help 
young children, right, revolt and evolve themselves. Tell, tell my revolutionaries about Wives Young Builders and what was the impetus for it? Yeah, so I always like to tell people there's a, um, a great video on YouTube that's called Where Do Good Ideas Come From? And they say that good ideas, if, if Wives Young Builders is considered a good idea, but they it's not just one thing that makes you do it. It's slow hunches over a period of time that one happens in you know 2005, one happens in 2008, one happens in 2010. And one day it just all collides and says, you know what? This is your path, right? And can you hear Mocha? Yeah, you're good. Okay. So, um, I, you know, I think about how I grew up. My parents, my mother, I, not, not, you know, God only knows what my, what my father was doing, but uh, my mother was into property, right? She bought her first home from a property auction in upstate New York for $1,000. Wow. I never lived in a housing project. Uh, the house needed some work, you know, and we put work into it when she had the money and budget. My uncle was a carpenter. Other uncle was an electrician. My uh, grandparents moved up from the South, Little Rock, Arkansas, back in the fifties. Uh, uh, they moved up to help their uncle who owned a property. They bought property. So property had always been a component of my life. Right. Um, I bought a house in New York right next door to my grandmother. Right. My grandmother's had that house since the fifties and when you have property, it's also about what do you need to do to maintain it, right? Yes. Because yes, if you don't, yes, if you don't add value to it, if you still walking around with light fixtures from the '60s, I mean, there may be some people who appreciate that, but you know, those wires probably gonna short out on you at some point. They can yes. burn your structure down, so you have to be able to maintain these things. Um, that's what I was exposed to as a kid, right? So I have five brothers. We were the kids in the neighborhood that shuffled snow. We cut grass. We delivered the neighborhood. I mean, neighborhood newspapers. We had our neighborhood on lock. So my everybody who knew my mother, they could hire us out for pretty much everything. So as I began to have a son, I began to teach him these things, right? So my son should be capable of being able to do things around the house. So if there was a clog leak, I'm not calling a plumber. My son is doing some of this work. And I have pictures of him when he's seven, you know, taking the sink apart, right? Um, so Wise Young Builders was kind of born out of those ideas. And there were other parents who caught on to it. Uh, my wife and I had talked about doing something around math and tutoring kids. And uh, shout out to my wife who may be watching whenever she watches. But um, <laughs> um, we talked about doing math programs and tutoring kids and really just seeing th there's a gap. And I worked at the university uh, uh, at Buffalo uh, when I lived in Buffalo, New York. And um, I just remember talking to my director and it was all college, 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 college. Every kid's got to go. I'm like, Mr. Gale, that's just not practical. Everybody's yes. not, not, not that they're not fit. Cause I don't, when people say, Oh, everybody's not fit to go to college. That's not true. Right. You can go to college for a certificate program. You can go for a workforce development class. Not everybody is probably going to get a four year bachelor's degree, but there are colleges have plenty of programs. So I always push back when people say that, but when I think about the work that I'm doing now, I was asking myself the question, what if I value this stuff earlier? What if somebody was sitting me down teaching me real estate development when I was nine? What if somebody was showing me a budget and a spreadsheet when I was 11? What if, like, uh, I have a buddy who, uh, Jim Abdo, is a big real estate developer in, in D.C., and I'm in his office one day, and he's, we bring the Wise Young Builders kids, and he's showing the blueprints of a new bee, uh, a hotel called The Hive that looks like a beehive that he's building up in Georgetown, and another project he's building over here, and he's building this, and he said when he walks around the neighborhood with his 11-year-old son, 
His 11-year-old is saying, Dad, that's a zone R2 for residential, but that looks like it needs to be zoned for commercial. Imagine wow. if brown children were doing that at nine years old. And we're not talking about from the standpoint of like, so they can go out and get filthy rich. We can march some nine-year-olds that we've had for, let's say, six, seven years into Detroit. And so oh, oh, what we're doing is we're selling houses for $1,000. Now, what can a young man do if he bought a house for $1,000? Mm. What can he do with the rest of the resources, right? Now we can build communities. We can build families. And it comes down to skills and capacity. I mean, I ask people all the time, what president is on a hundred dollar bill? People say, uh, I don't know. You know, some people say Obama, some people say Jackson. <laughs> it's, it's some crazy stuff. It was Benjamin Franklin, but he was never a president, but he mastered about four different trades. You know, he never let anything get in his way. He revolted. Nope. Let me stop doing this and let me tinker around with electricity. Let me stop doing this and tinker around with, you know, experiment. And I think that's what the work uh, kind of derived from and, for me, it's important to, to immerse youth in those settings that if I was immersed in, I would just be somewhere different. Thank God it didn't happen because I probably wouldn't be doing this work that I'm doing now. I might be on a loft in my yacht somewhere because my, <laughs> my, my head may have been in a different space. But I thank God I went through the struggles of being uh, without a lot of revenue as a kid and learned the value of working really hard. So, yeah, that's how Wise Room Builders was born. Moses, man, you know, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like people don't know, like you've heard this wonderful understanding of what you want brown kids to really learn and, and take. But give me that 30 second, you know, that 30 second elevator pitch. You know, my Camelback background is coming out here. Give me that 30 second elevator pitch for Wise Young Builders. Yeah. So Wise Young Builders is a math and pretty much an early career exposure program that teaches kids math through carpentry. Uh, but we also expose them to the world of practical skills, real estate development, uh, construction, ultimately the hobbies that they can have. Um, so that, you know, we, that's our interest. Uh, that's our, our 30 second spill. Uh, but we believe that children should know about real estate development, right? If you go to school in the school building, you need to know that that school building was built and it costs to maintain. And there are systems that help it move along. Um, and children may not get that exposure. You know, math, school, school think, tends to divorce the practical application of what you learn from the theory. They teach a lot of theory in classrooms, right? But how do I apply these things? So we always want to make it practical for students, right? Yeah. And, you know, the thing about that, Moses, is that it, it just goes back to everything that you just said about preparing black and brown kids to think about I'm walking down the street and I understand the architecture and the construction aspects and that I can then take that knowledge and then create community. I can build community. I don't have to, right? I don't have to particularly go to school, right? Go to college for this. I've got, I've got the knowledge. I've got the knowledge base for this. And that's the thing that, that, that's the thing. Um, is that they have the ability to take what they've learned in Wise Young Builders uh, to move it into the next phase of their lives. And that's the key point. That is the key aspect that I think that Wise Young Builders is trying to do as we think about creating, as we think about creating generational wealth. How do we do that? Really, sometimes we gotta go, <laughs> we gotta understand what it means to get dirty. And nope. right. Yeah. And and not only that, like 
there are different ways to create wealth. But in America, I mean, even going back to the ancient world, God promised Abraham property, right? Land, like land, 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 land. So when you think about land, food grows on land, trees for timber and houses grow on land, clay for bricks grow on land. Like, And, you know, there's people who... Uh, have woken up to this concept. So, I mean, there's a city, I think in Georgia that are, is built by Brown and black people where they building, you know, a whole city for themselves and looking to chart, you know, chart is, but if you're going to build a city, you're going to need people who can build. Right. And I, I yes. value. And, you know, sometimes I just have to throw this out there because I've been, I remember early in my days, I'm in these conversations with people who try to juxtapose Booker T Washington versus Bubby E.B. Du Bois. And now he want us to be slaves and, uh, listen, I don't preach that message where you need to be relegated under somebody. But I will say, you know, 100 something years later, that institution that he built is still standing in Alabama. But I also follow W.B. Du Bois. I mean, I, I consider myself somewhat an academic also. And Du Bois left the country. He moved to Russia. Right? He abandoned the people. But not not to slight his work, but. Booker's work is still standing. It's still people going to a university that he mm. built. So when we think about the practical skills of a people, yeah, I'm telling you. And when we look at what a person building something uh, and the value of building wealth and generational wealth, I can tell you the first property I had, then the second property I had, then the third property I had, my daughter will not grow up like me. Right. right. She already doesn't grow up like me. Right. We went out of the country. I mean, I'm not saying this to be self-aggrandizing or to be travel shaming anybody, but I was able to take my daughter out of the country for a couple of months. Not because she was on summer vacation. We went in December and came back in January and she was able to go to a country that was foreign to her, speak a language that was foreign to her, meet people who became friends. And that experience came partially because I have investments in real estate. I mean, yes. you know, we think about generational wealth. I don't think people should be homeless and struggling for housing. But when you get a piece of property and, and it, it turns into, hey, man, this, they, they said your house is worth, hey, now you can go do a thing that you want to do. Now you can you go know? do a thing. You're, yeah. you're exactly yeah. right. You know, yeah. and I think about my own real estate journey, right? And, and the ability now for me to be able to purchase, you know, Purchase my first my first multiplex, mm. and what that is going to mean, you know. You call me going- on the deal. No, no. Next, like, no, look, no, look. I'm, I'm put, no, no. I'm putting together. Like, I'm learning, learning so much, man, and knowing that the power of collaboration means so much. And I don't. We have to at least. No, I'm not going to say I have to get over. I think those 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 stereotypical and socialized aspects of working with us, you know, and putting and pooling our monies together to actually build wealth, because that's what other communities do. That's what they've done, right? This solopreneur, this solo real estate is not happening. You have to understand, I've talked to so many people just in the last couple of days about one of my properties and the, the alternatives and I'm like, wow, I didn't just clearly learning these aspects, Moses, right? This power, this power of the uh, intellectual collaborative now allows us to be more of a force, yeah. more yeah. of a force, dear brother. And the ability for you, you know, to be able to create a pathway for your daughter to have generational wealth, which allows you to then like do things 
that other people cannot because you've been able to think smartly about your wealth that allows opportunities to open themselves up for you. That's the amazing, that's the yeah. other amazing piece. When you yeah. have, go ahead, brother. No, and that, for me, it's, I don't even want it just to be for my daughter because it'll put her in a different social class from the poor kid in the neighborhood. I'm saying I want all of the kids, like the next real estate we yes. do, deal we do, you know, my daughter's going to be working. Look, you take care of the closing. Any paperwork they ask for, anything you need to understand, we'll walk you through it, through some PowerPoints and this and that third, but you do that. And we want to teach that to children because you should not be 40 years old buying your first house, right? I mean, by then you're a little more stable with your revenue and the way housing prices rise and fall like the Dow Jones, it's not easy to get a property. I mean, it's if you're taking That's a conventional idea. route, it's really difficult to get a it property. Is re- it it's is really, really difficult. difficult. You know, but, but owner financing and all these different alternative is. methods to financing that you have to you need to learn if you want to really get right. in this game and make right. some money. Right. And and people need to share the information. I think sometimes with brown people, they're like, no, well, they hoard the information hoard. So no, I can tell you, uh last you know, couple structures I've purchased, probably all of them, I mean the cities have real estate auctions, right? And not that you want to capitalize on somebody else's loss, but sometimes there are people who passed. Um, the house has been abandoned for a number of years or, you know, one of the properties I bought uh, not too long ago, um, the, the person was deceased. His wife did, died years before him. They, did, they had no heirs. They didn't have any relatives. Nobody wanted to be bothered with it. I was the next in line. I mean, I, I found it at a property auction and <laughs> I kept my flag raised and, you know, at, going. the other communities was there bidding too. But I said, listen, man, this was, this property was right next door to my grandmother. And I just looked at him. Look, one of us is walking out of here and that's going to be me with this property. Right. And I was able to get it. <laughs> and, uh, but that, that's important. When you talk about generational wealth, it's not just for the sake of like having a bunch of money in the pocket. It's like, these are the things you're able to do. And that's what I referred to, like, Abraham. I mean, God promised that man land. I was just talking to Aaron Walker. I called him out the blue. I told you I call people, right? Yeah. And uh, just, I wanted to thank him. I mean, the, the, the groundwork he laid is almost, for me, like, you know, the Rome building, you know, highways and bridges, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah That's go. work I don't have to do, right? I don't have to build a highway and bridge in that capacity. But I can walk across and travel and take my goods to, to, to other places. So, uh, and we were talking about some of the work things that he was uh, thinking and doing around land. And it's just a valuable thing. And I think we need to teach that to children because learning X squared plus Y squared is important too, right? But how do you use that, right? The developers I know, those algorithm and algebra forms are for spreadsheets that they use to tabulate and calculate financing. Mm-hmm. And their children, I, I could tell. Oh, listen, they know that. They know listen, that. I went to one of a buddy of mine's house. He's he's a construction professional. He's doing really well for himself. I, I probably drove for two minutes before I got to his house. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. I mean, just I mean, once you hit the after land, you into the gate. Yeah. After yeah. You after you into the gate, you know. And again, this isn't about I want to live and have you know. But the point is, is if we teach these things to children, the next generation is better off. They're not you know, couch surfing, right? I don't want an 18 year old or 20 year old couch surfing or 23 year old. Well, I don't have nowhere to go. Hey, listen, man, you, we want to get you some, uh, 
We, we want you to revolt. We want you to evolve. We want you to empower. We want you to have some freedom. And we want to we want to pour some freedom in your cup too. Drink away. There you go. Freedom is nice. Yeah. Freedom, yeah. Free, look, freedom is lovely. Yeah, you know, it is. Look, yeah. power of movement and freedom of movement, freedom of money. Yeah. And freedom yeah. of time. Yes, sir. That's yes, sir. right. Think about that, revolutionaries. I want you to really think about that. When you revolt. And when you evolve, how are you getting closer to a freedom, a power to create freedom of movement, freedom of time, right? And freedom of money. Yeah. Those are the things, right? As, as we think about creating wealth and creating generational wealth, particularly, you can't do that unless you revolt. Yeah, you got as to. This, you got to revolt. You have to revolt from comfort into the, and dip, not even dip, dive head first, right, into this comfort to revolt. That's what it means. And in that discomfort, you have the ability to resolve. Dear brother, <laughs> you know, many of my colleagues have been waiting with bated breath for this conversation, and I cannot wait that's to amazing. share it yeah, with amazing. them. And I cannot wait to share it with, you know, our 84, 87 now Camelback alumni as they hear and see the success that you've been having with wise young builders, with your properties, with your real estate, and just the success that you have as a black man in this world, because both of you and I know that that ish is not easy. No, it's waking, not. waking up black and male. So let me ask you just one question and we'll, we'll roll out on that. If you had any suggestions for black men, and finding and embracing the healthiest versions of themselves. What's one tip or strategy that you would give to them? Uh, one tip or strategy? I, th I think the easiest thing to say is find God. I mean, I think that's, mm -hmm. and that's, that sounds like, you know, people say, Moses, you sound really, well, my name is, you know, you know my name. So it's not even like, it should, be a mystery, it should be a mystery, right? <laughs> so, but I think um, there, I think there's like the traditional, uh, you know, go to church and act frantic. And then there's another path where, you know, you want to find more information that helps you confront yourself. Right. You know, you start reading things that help confront yourself. Like, do I behave like this? And is these, you know, the, the ancient Hebrews believe that the ideal of Satan was, uh, it just meant adversary. It's not a person. It's not a person at a pitchfork. It's not just things that's in opposition. So some people, some of our behaviors in opposition to ourselves, right? And like I said earlier, if you have a third grader who won't master adding fractions, we can move you to fifth grade and sixth grade and seventh <laughs> grade. You're still just going to be stuck. Right. But when you embrace this higher being who confronts you and say, you know, you actually behave like this. And when you're around people who help you confront yourself, you, know, you act like this and you can kind of chip away the unnecessary components. You can grow in certain ways. And I think that that would be uh, one great piece of advice. Uh, the next behind that, is surround yourself with people who are doing the same thing, right? So I didn't talk about, but I launched a consulting company uh, because the one that I ran for a number of years kind of grew a certain way. And I, all of a sudden it seemed like it was taking over my life and I had a day job again. <laughs> but uh, shout out to Urban Equity Consulting Group and my partner, Kara Fuller, who uh, we were working on a proposal the other day that interestingly enough, puts wise young builders in a better position, right? Because, you know, if you live and work in DC, you know nothing about contracting and procurement with the government, I'm here to tell you, 
there's a lot of value in doing that, right? So we can ride the coattail of having a, you know, state certification and we can siphon some of the money to the not-for-profit and, and do better work. So, but you have to surround your people, yourself with people of value. Everybody's not going to pour into you. And I tell my young adults, if I can't change the friends I'm with, then change the friends I'm with, right? If you can't change the friends you're with, then change the friends you're with. Wow. Be around people. There's who, the nugget. Or, There's the yeah. nugget revolutionary right man. there. There it is. There's the nugget. I hang around people who are in their 80s, their 70s, and every time, Mr. Moses, I have a book for you. Uh, yes, yeah. ma'am. Let me read that. You know, they're pouring into me. You know what? I have some leftover money from a project I was working on. Here's a check for, I want you to go invest in such and such. Are you serious? But people pour into you, right? And, you know, you have to have integrity and people believe in you and trust you. And I know you got to go, but this uh, a quick account, I'm just, not that this is set up as a prop because it's not, but Dr. Charles, uh, a client that I had who was a board member of mine, a board member of mine first, uh, runs a real estate development company, been doing it for 37 years in D.C., and um, real estate development and construction. And has been teaching me a lot of interesting things about multifamily, high-end condominiums, construction, et cetera. And levels that I don't know. That's about that revolving, right? And it all happened as I was quitting my job. She approached me four years ago and asked me to begin taking over her company. And I was like, oh, no, I'm busy doing X, Y, and Z. And I wasn't in a space. She reapproached me uh, recently, you know, and, and sat me and a couple other uh, people of color down and she said, listen, I'm aging out. She's a white woman. I'm aging out. There's some other things that I want to do with my time. Uh, you know, she owns a, a pretty decent company. And she wants to start transitioning over to be an employee led. And she asked me to be in the helm of it. But when you surround yourself with people yes. who pour into you, did you think when I was, I, mean, I actually, I think my head is big enough that I was, I was convinced when I was nine, I was going to be doing some great stuff. But not everybody has that. When you surround yourself with great people, people pour into you. So I'm, I'm blessed to be in a position. I really appreciate the time. I, I'm I'm sad this is a one hour show. I mean, it should be. <laughs> I, I know people might not want to hear me all the time, but no, I, it's good, man, brother. This, this, this is a great, great, uh, great conversation. Great experience, man, Moses. I'm 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 so appreciative of you. You know, the one thing that you push, you push on, is that you sort you try your best to create community. Definitely. And sometimes and sometimes that scares some people. Right. Because in, in our society, we you know, we're not you know, we, we've gotten we've gotten disassociated from people just picking up the phone and calling. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Let me let me text you or let me email you. But just the random phone call just doesn't happen too often these days. And so what you do to create community and continue and to sustain it is that. You've gone, you've gone analog. You've gone old school. I'm gonna just pick up the phone and call you. Well, call him. And some, call yeah. Him. And it, it's it shocks some people. Like, wait a minute. Oh, Moses is calling. What, what, he, what does wrong? he want? What does he what's want? Wrong or what does right. he want? And it's just right. like, no. I'm, exactly. I literally, my first line. I'm just calling to check in. Like, how you doing? Just calling to check in. And sometimes, Doctor Charles, people have issues going on, whether they're simple issues or whether they're. I'm talking to uh, shout out to Marvin Pierre. Uh, Marvin Pierre, uh, my eight man. Million stories. Eight million stories. So, me and Marvin talking one day. He was thinking, I was, "Man, I got a whole document around that." Mar, let me send it to you. And yes, just a brief conversation that gave him a tool and resource. And sometimes it's just simple as that. And people have done that for me. And I always want to be responsible for paying it forward and giving back. There you go, brother. And th that is why I love you, brother. I love you, and I am blessed to be a part of your community. 
I, I am truly blessed to call you friend, to call you uh, entrepreneur, to look at the world that you are creating for your young children who are have the ability to, you know, hey, Dr. Charles, you buying these properties, I'm going to come help you build them, <laughs> right? Or Oh, yeah, you, you might. Think, when, when you think about building this community, don't forget Elijah Moses because, you know, he taught us how to make sure how to build and buy the block. And so yeah. people make sure you go to wiseyoungbuilders.org.com. Dot com. That, that either one, you know, I got to get all the domain names. Yeah, it, I don't it, want it, exactly. nobody. Check out the great work yeah. that Elijah Moses and his organization is doing with our with our black and brown students in D.C. and all across the country. This brother is, has created a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization is doing amazing things. Oh, we got multi-million? There you go. If, okay. if not, we're going to claim it. Don't no, we're not too far away. Yeah, no, we yeah, ain't too far away. Say, I mean, we got some work to do, but we're not too far away. Yeah, uh, but he's doing he's doing amazing things. 2019 Camelback alum. Shout out, if people don't know, you said Aaron Walker's name. I've said it enough, but he's the CEO of Camelback Ventures. So yeah. shout out to him. Shout out to the amazing group of people that work at Camelback Ventures. Tanya Dahl. I'm not even going to start listing people because I will forget somebody. In somebody I got to shout out Jasmine Edwards because she wanted oh, to She always takes my call. You know what I you mean? And Tante, I mean, just a lot of alumni just keeping in touch with people. But yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I did say Tanya Dahl's name. She is our, we can't call her new, but she is our senior marketing director who does amazing things to push out the work at Camelback Ventures. Shout out to my team here at What's Your Revolution who helps, you know, helps to grow and sustain this venture that I love and do every week. Thank you to my brothers of Omega Sci-Fi who I ride with every week who support this show. I just I'm I mean I am just tremendously grateful for the ability to get to talk to and support amazing entrepreneurs, amazing people who are doing dope stuff in the world like Elijah Moses. I wish you all success, revolutionaries, and always, always be able to answer what we think here is the most important and thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution? We'll see you soon, everyone. Take care. Have a great week. Peace. Peace. What's Peace. good, revolutionaries? Peace. 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 Peace.